Are you passionate about health and nutrition? Then check out the Nutrition Academy. They offer the most comprehensive, innovative, and transparent health and nutrition educational resource on the planet. They strive to separate health misinformation from reality. They give their students the resources and skill sets to think critically about what they read and learn. So you can use the power of research to make better decisions for yourself, your family, and the people you serve. The Nutrition Academy have kindly offered all listeners a discount for this course. So you are able to try it out for yourself with a saving of $50. Just use the code TNN50 at thenutrition.academy or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 281 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by our good friend, Kale Brock. Kale and I explore loneliness in the context of both our current pandemic and how Western cultures may be contributing to this based on their current infrastructures. You will learn how a lack of social connection could heighten health risks as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, the significance of community and contribution what personal changes both Kale and I have made in recent years, and so much more. This is such a powerful conversation that needs to be strongly considered for optimal health and longevity. Hello, Kale, and welcome back to the show. Steffi, thanks for having me back. Oh, it's been ages, mate. I know, I know. <laughs> What's been happening in, in your life? COVID, uh, COVID version. <laughs> Managing a few things. Um, no, I'm well. My life's adjusted, you know, quite um, nicely to what is our new normal. But myself and my family are all well, and business is going good. So, yeah, it's kind of not too different for me. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm sure we've chatted since since then. But obviously, making this the slow transition into more surfing stuff and uh, more fictional stuff has been probably aptly timed at, at this point because we'd sort of finished all the film screenings and uh, mostly it's just been doing a lot of surfing and a lot of YouTube stuff and, and sort of flowing down that river. So it's, it's been pretty easy. Life hasn't really changed that much up here on the northern beaches except 
my favorite cafes have been closed, which is pretty disappointing, but you know, you can get over that. <laughs> yeah. First of all problem, but it will be nice to go back and eat the favorites. I'm, I feel for you. I literally have cooked every single meal for the last months, last few months. This is intense. Your dishwasher just goes like four times a day. <laughs> no. And I've only got one small child, you know, you can imagine those that have you know, four children. Mm. I know. Um, and you've got some exciting news to share with us about the longevity project. Yeah, so um, the longevity film is the longevity film. Uh, part of me. <laughs> yeah, longevity project. Same thing, really. It was just a big, big longevity project. I mean, we got the book as well, so I guess of it is. Of course, the longevity film um, part. Yes, exactly. So that's now, as of uh, releasing this and sharing it with the world, that should be out on all the major platforms for people to actually go and check out iTunes and and all the rest of it Um, so they can watch it from the the comfort of home, which is pretty exciting. It feels like we've just wrapped a little bow on it and finished up that package as we sort of transition, transition on. It's nice. I agree because screenings are great, but I personally find them a little bit challenging to get to midweek and I'm not alone there. So it's so great to do them because you get the community together and there's so much to be said for that. But now we can get it in the comfort of our own home. We can watch it again if we've already seen it. Like it's just, I love it. It is a bow. It's a beautiful way to deliver such an important message globally. Yeah, I still feel um, a lot of people have been asking me like, oh, you know, how was that trip and is it still sort of influencing your life today? And I reflect back on, you know, some major decisions that happened throughout the film and uh, later on after the film and all that sort of stuff and it's definitely had a big impact on the direction that um, I've chosen to go and and where we'll be in the next couple of years. It's, um, yeah, it was quite significant and I'm glad that I was able to capture all that on on film yeah i have been really inspired by it myself and certainly our conversations since then probably a little bit too soon to say too much but just that acknowledgement of you know the blue zones and beyond has really inspired me to further design my life you know i've always been about life by design but i've kind of fallen into some traps with you know where i live and how much i work and what my life looks like and it was a really great opportunity for me to shine the mirror or look in the mirror and basically say to myself hang on a minute this is all your choice and starting to think about what little changes i want to make to have that beautiful life by design so what a huge step for you know, like that's a, you've, ta- you've taken on a huge responsibility there that not a lot of people want to take on. Mm. It's easier to stay with the status quo, that's for sure, but it almost wasn't. Like I briefly shared my sort of postnatal anxiety story online, but I was just feeling so stretched in every direction, being a new mum and going back to work when Grace was eight weeks old, which I'll never do again. And it, was just, <laughs> it wasn't the life that I wanted to live, certainly moving into, you know, having a young family. So I'm excited. I'm excited that your film and, you know, the book and the entire project can inspire the world because we've seen the change with COVID-19, like not to make it about COVID, but so many people I've been speaking to have resolved their anxiety because they're not driving four children to nine different sports, to getting themselves to work, to juggling their training, to feeling so stretched in all different directions that their health was suffering. And so where the world has gone has created this beautiful opportunity for people to see how it could be different. So many silver linings, don't you think? 
Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, just like we were saying before we started recording that there are conversations happening now that weren't, I guess, um, as easily, uh, instigated before there are, um, situations that are, that are sort of coming out of this that are definitely going to be positive. And there are definitely a lot of, a lot of negatives when we sort of tear apart the social fabric as we, as we have done. Um, but I think, as always, there are some there are some good um, things to take away as well. One of them being, like you just said, um, perhaps a highlight on on how creative we can be with how we spend our time and how we um, make work and make our jobs and make the things we think we have to do uh, fit into our schedule as opposed to us trying to fit into um, this crazy sort of, sort of obligatory um, time codes that we that we place on ourselves i remember when i mean i've been shocking i mean probably one of the worst employees in in the world um hence why i've only worked for people for two years of my life Uh, but i remember working at channel 10 back in the day and i used to just i used to be really upset that i couldn't arrive 15 minutes late and leave 15 minutes early and and you know really tweak the the working hours to suit my own needs i think now um, perhaps those sort of conversations and situations are happening as well. But some people are thriving under it and some people, I guess, not so much. Well, there's a few things. Like I'm with you, right? So I had this one corporate role in my entire life, right? And I remember getting called into my boss's office and getting reprimanded for eating my breakfast at my desk after 8.30. And I just, I just, I couldn't. And then it was a company that had like this cyclical event where for part of the year we were really busy because it was moving into this launch phase. And an email went around saying that we could not make personal commitments before 7 p.m. on weeknights for like three months of this launch. And, and honestly, like I loved the company and the concept, but the principle of getting paid, you know, peanuts with all these expectations and lack of focus on, you know, health and well-being really was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And I resigned <laughs> and literally yeah, started my own you. company because I just, I was like, it was like a square peg in a round hole. I was really unhappy rushing and having to work from, you know, 8.30 on the dot till late at night. And, you know, this was decades ago now that I realized early on it really wasn't for me. And my hope is that other people will make a lot of changes off the back of this pandemic because initially everyone was like, oh, I can't wait for it to go back to normal. And most people are like, oh, hang on a minute. My normal wasn't that great. I was tired. I was stressed. I was anxious. I was stretched. And, you know, we're realizing that we don't want normal. We want a new normal. And I think that's really exciting for the choices that we can make as we return out of our social restrictions mm, that re-evaluation process is is so valuable sometimes it takes a an illness a or pandemic. a death in the family to get there but this time it's been a pandemic which it turns out um and if there's a little bit of an echo in the room it turns out wasn't a huge deal health-wise here in australia what? for a lot what of people <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah i guess we've we've come across this whole thing relatively unscathed yeah. um, and, and pretty lucky to be in the position that we're in to, like you said, uh, move forward with a bit of a blank slate. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And um, looking forward to just sort of seeing how we do adjust. But, of course, there hasn't been just positives. Like I think, 
you know, what we do have to acknowledge is that, yeah, like you said earlier, some people have found this period of time really challenging. You know, I've been really respectful of the fact that one, I'm an introvert, so I don't need a lot of social interaction. Two, I have a 14 month old, so I'm never lonely. And three, I live with my beautiful daughter and my incredible husband. So I've got my people. Um, I also have my nanny coming in and I go to my yoga studio once a week to meet just one person to Zoom. So I've got, you know, enough. I FaceTime my family. I call my friends. So like it really, I have not felt isolated or lonely. But then of course, this it has brought, brought this conversation to the forefront how social distancing has created loneliness, but not just COVID. I think the conversation of loneliness is a really important one to have because, you know, like the blue zones, it's not just about a nutrient or it's not just about turmeric or it's not just about oily fish. It's about our overall health and our lifestyle. And having or avoiding loneliness is a huge part of health and longevity. It's massive. And as, as, people who listened to our discussions when I came back from the blue zones, it was one of the most tangible things that I noticed uh, when I went there was this strong uh, sense of connection, this integrative um, social fabric, you know, this open door policy in these blue zones where uh, connection was right at the forefront of, of people's priorities and then coming back and seeing quite, um, I don't want to say the opposite, but something, you know, not so, not so prime in that sense. So, yeah, I think it's very relevant for us to talk about. And, I, and I'm actually quite upset that it wasn't a conversation that was being had on uh, a more broader scale when, when all these decisions were made um, pre, what, what, maybe three or four months ago to, to sort of <clears throat> shift uh, what everyone was doing. Um, because... I think when you take away, and this is supported by statistics, when you take away people's jobs, for instance, you take away their sense of identity, but you also take away often their anchor uh, for for their community. You know, that that's their vehicle, their gateway to actually talk with people and, and be with people. So I think it, it's been probably um, <clears throat> shunned a little bit because, <clears throat> because there has been so much fear around the word coronavirus and COVID-19 and all that sort of stuff. And obviously there was a huge amount of pressure internationally and and from various, um, well, I'm not going to say independent health uh, bodies, but health bodies out there who have an influence on, on what sort of decisions we make. But um, that's one thing that I was quite disappointed at. You know, we, we have the research that shows that loneliness is at epidemic proportions you know we we had this pandemic of loneliness happening at the same time already before this virus you know and the statistics tend to suggest that it is as bad if not worse than um smoking obesity and substance abuse you know the three huge major risk factors for our health and well-being and our mortality loneliness is right up there probably even worse um, so, I mean, this is, is a very relevant topic to discuss. And I think when we uh, force people to stay indoors and we um, prohibit, you know, <clears throat> family dinners and, and all these different things, and we have the prime minister saying, yeah, go and see your mum on Mother's Day, but don't give her a hug. Like all these tiny little things, which on one in one sense, you understand it from a microbiology perspective. You know, they're thinking of virus transmission, that's it. What they're not acknowledging and thinking about is that intangible right now, intangible nutrient that we get from 
interacting with people and being with people and hugging people and touch and all these different um, things that were prohibited for so long. So I think we're going to have to do some work uh, on that. And um, I, I think the excuse that this was for the benefit of our elderly populations is absolute garbage because if we actually cared about our elderly populations, we'd be totally rehashing and, and reformulating nutritional policies and aged care facilities and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, we would ease off people into retirement as opposed to, you know, um, encouraging them to get there and then living off a, a piddly little pension. There, there are so many other ways that we could have cared for our old people. But anyway, I think um, to to disregard this loneliness factor um, was a great disservice to, to everybody. I mean, there, there have been studies. I'm looking at one right now from 2002 from Yale um, that showed that as unemployment rises, uh, it so does um, death rates, so do death rates. So um, mortality rates go up. In America, for instance, I don't know the analogous numbers here in Australia, but in America, for instance, for every 1% that the unemployment rate goes up, they can expect an extra 44,000 people to die. We're talking about suicide. We're talking about people getting depressed. We're talking about them becoming a lot more susceptible to cardio cardiovascular disease and, and other illnesses that increase mortality. This is a huge thing, and this is very well established, um, as I said, all the way back in 2002. But it wasn't part of the conversation, which I find a bit strange because there was a lot of panic going on. Mm. So... In that, I think it means we, if we are going to continue in this sense, I mean, by the time this goes out, perhaps things will have eased a little bit, certainly in Australia, yes, we're going to have to find ways where we can connect with people and substitute that feeling of, of a great relationship, um, perhaps, perhaps virtually for a while, but also really soaking up and engaging more fully with those uh, perhaps fewer experiences that we get access to. Yeah, like I think one silver lining will be that people will go and visit their mothers more or their fathers more and, you know, that, that can only be incredible. Like you said, I mean, there's a lot of different stats being thrown around, but I was mind blown to read that a lack of social connection could heighten health risks as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like whether yeah. that's true or not, it, sh- it still starts to... <coughs> It still starts to help us understand the scope of this. Excuse me, as I have yeah, a glass of water. <laughs> that, that's fine. Have your water. Um, I mean, how can you put a number on it? it it's pretty difficult to, um, you know, put an exact number on, hey, if you're lonely, you may as well have 15 cigarettes a day. But if we look at it more broadly, I think, you know, it is something <clears throat> that's very relevant um, for for everybody's situation. This is even going back six months, a year before this whole COVID thing was happening, people were still lonely back then in Australia. Um, themselves to be, to be lonely it could, up to 25% in some studies, it could be more. And these, these are from government funded studies, you know, ABS sort of reports. So it was already a significant issue in an age we, where we are incredibly connected virtually um, we are feeling the pressure of loneliness a lot more. And like you um, sort of alluded to at the start, this is not about having a huge friends list on Facebook. This is having about having really high quality, really supportive and strong social connections with your tribe. And it may only be four or five people. That's totally okay. We've got to remember that we established 
this biology in a time where we were living in groups of 75 to 135 people who were codependent, who were interrelated a lot of the time, um, whose survivability relied on everybody else. So, it was, And people were co-parenting, people were having sex with everybody else. You know, this was a very tight relationships. And over time, that's sort of gradually been broken down. We've, we were in tribal units and then we eventually became the family units. And now uh, we're starting to become the I units, right? Because everything that we, that we own and use has the word I in front of it. <laughs> As Daniel Vitalis said in the longevity film, it's not the we phone. So over that, that time, until I saw yeah, <clears throat> sure. And, and everything that we see in the news and, and um, when it comes to new movements and all this sort of stuff, it's never about bringing people together, is it? It's always about division. It's always about separating, well, if you're uh, a woman, you have to be and act like a woman. You can't be uh, pro-man. You have to be all for women's rights and all this sort of stuff. And that might not be black and white for a lot of people, but that's generally how it's portrayed, isn't it? Um, same on the other front, if you're, if you're right wing, uh, politically, there's no way that you can talk with or, or <laughs> um, engage with people on the, on the left side. And, you know, God forbid you're in the middle and can acknowledge both. You know, there's not a lot of that going on. So I think already we were divided um, and, and being subtly guided in that direction to, to be sort of that division was all encompassing. So I think we now more than ever, if we're going to take anything away from this whole situation, we need to foster, develop and then um, maintain strong social ties with the people around us. And it doesn't have to be like you go into Woolworths and you've got a little like checkbox. I need to find five friends today. It could be as simple. That would be a little bit weird. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, calling up someone who, who you're friends with and just saying, hey, let's catch up for a coffee. Um, that may be as important as the green smoothie you have in the morning. I would dare say that it's even more important because it's, as we see in, in the blue zones, in these longevity cultures, they, that is their, their priority. That is their main reason for getting up in the morning. That they, they don't, <clears throat> their, their focus is not on self. They're not going, oh, I can't see everyone today. I've got to meditate. I can't see everyone today. I've got to go to CrossFit. You know, that they are actually living for everybody else. And as a result, they have some incredibly um, positive health and wellbeing statistics. It's quite incredible because I never really thought of it through the lens of that, how different we are in the West, like we've sort of got these to-do lists and it might include green smoothie and meditation and it might be some positive things, but we've almost got so much to do that we don't allocate time for connection. It's not like a goal of ours. My goal is to meditate, my goal is to surf, but yeah. our goal is never connection when it's appearing like, you know, like you said, it, it should be, it should be up the top if not number one. And um, in a perfect world, sorry for interrupting no. you. Um, in a perfect world, that that social connection is just inherent in those choices. So when we say, "Hey, I'm going to meditate this morning," "Hey, I'm going to have a green smoothie this morning," all great choices, right? We're not discrediting them, but the key element there, the glue that let's let's call those those elements of our of our um, lives, 
the framework, the glue that holds everything together, the nails, the, the, the plates that hold everything together should be the connection. So when I do go surfing, I'm going to go surfing with a friend. I'm going to call a friend and say, hey, let's go for a surf together. All of a sudden, that experience becomes even more healthful. Um, hey, even if you're going to do a meditation, why not call someone? Hey, let's do a little, <laughs> we, we always call it, I don't know why, but it's become the vernacular up here. We have, why don't we go and have a medi and then we'll go and grab a coffee. Um, or say it like, well, idea. yeah, yeah. A lot of people do it up here, especially within, you know, my community here mm. after, you know, going through the, the blue zone stuff and all that. So community should be the glue that holds everything together. If you're going to go and do yoga, if you're going to follow Steph's class on Zoom, why not get your sister or your partner or your mum to come in the room as well and do it at the same time and have a little laugh and, and enjoy those moments a lot more through sharing them with other people? Because if, if, imagine if we stripped, if we took everyone out of the earth and just there was only Steph left, what would be the purpose? What would be the point? Mm. You know, this is, this is such a fundamental um, underpinning of the human experience that we, I think we often take for granted um, and we really need to put it back on the plate and make it a, make it a priority. Um, and in, and, and by, by making it a priority, we're not necessarily doing it so consciously and actively. Uh, we just need to make it an, e- make it, um, an easy decision make socializing uh with your with your tribe with your the people you feel supported by and loved by um make that easy so so how do you do that in in a post covid world and a pre covid world um let's have those conversations and and make it work for you yeah so would before you traveled and studied obviously the longevity culture would you have just gone for a surf by yourself or a medi by yourself and did with those the basic changes that you made on the other side or because that sounds quite simple but totally simple Mm. totally simple and that's why it's it's been a big wake-up call for me and that's probably why i've started to shift away from health and well-being um quite uh literally away from away from health and well-being in the industry is because it's not sexy to sell the idea of hey go for a walk yeah and do your exercise yeah but just do it with a friend and it'll make it better you know it's not like you're selling it's not a program it's not a, a trick you know it's really basic stuff and i think um all the all the health and well-being work that I've been involved with and the, the people I've been invo- involved with are doing valuable stuff. Um, as much as I'm really proud of it and, and fascinated by it, I, I think that we've almost done a little disservice to everybody by making it a little bit too complex mm-hmm. to achieve health and well-being. Um, and if we can pull things back a little bit, yeah, have a massive, beautiful um, salad and or roast vegetables and follow some LCHF principles and all that sort of stuff, but make it even better by doing it with your family or doing it with some friends. You know, on last, on Saturday night, um, I had a bunch of friends over here and it was just, it was gorgeous. You know, it was one of those perfect nights. They slept over and then we went surfing the next day and went for a walk on the beach. You know, it's, it's those things that um, I think now that I, that I give a lot more weight to since coming back from, from the trip. Whereas previously I might've, gone yeah good to see you guys i'm gonna go surfing now on my own um you know or or, yeah i've got to go and meditate on my own i don't really meditate that much anymore um because i feel like you know my life has become a lot more meditative in general and a lot of my 
decisions and actions are a lot more considered these days, which I think is the goal of meditation. Um, so yeah, previously I would have uh, would have been a much more lonesome approach, uh, whereas now it's very much a community driven approach. It was quite funny because well, it was actually quite annoying. I had my mum staying up here in Sydney with us uh, just when it was all sort of happening. I managed to get in from the US and then came back and mum was coming out to visit and then, you know, we had planned this beautiful week and then it was kind of ripped away from us because um, they said that if mum went back to South Australia uh, as she intended five days later or whatever, she was going to have to be locked inside her house for 14 days. Um, so she had to go home early. So um, it, it's just those little things which have sort of been disrupted, I think, pretty majorly. And um, again, perhaps in the past I wouldn't have cared that much, but because I had planned that week and made it something quite significant in my mind, uh, it was quite frustrating to to have it ripped away. But again, to counteract that, it's my decision to live in Sydney um, rather than calling my my mum and my brother and his, his kids and my nephews. Uh, it's it's FaceTime now, you know, it's getting involved in that way because the conversation is so much more engaged and exciting and you feel better after it. Who are the people you feel better after having a phone call with? Um, those are the people you should be calling more and engaging with more and, and making part of your routine. Yeah, I love it. I love that you don't meditate much anymore. Like it's no. a concept. Like I um, I now have a 20 minutes two times a day practice, which has really worked well for me. But you, you live very differently to what I do and I respect that. Like <laughs> um, I'm getting there, but I, I, de- <laughs> I am. I, I definitely think that, yeah, you've worked on that for many years now. Like I remember when I first met you and you told me how much you worked, I was like, oh, okay. There is another way. Whereas I, before I became a mum, I like, I literally just worked. Like truthfully, I would have done some yoga and just worked. Like, I don't, I don't know what else I did looking back. Like I just got into a habit of having my, all of my spare time really wrapped up in my business. And I don't work like that these days. Um, I can't, I've kind of, my hand has been forced, but it's been so great for me. And, um, you know, I guess, similar to what other people are starting to see now with the working from home and the changing of the, the landscape. Um, yeah, we, we, we still need to meditate, but we're obviously going to be so less in need of solving our suffering and solving our anxiety if we make broader long-term changes to how we're living. Like that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad you've got something out of uh, knowing me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, funny. Um, it's always been. I mean, I I'm in probably in a similar boat these days because I love my work. I love storytelling. I love uh, filmmaking, and I and I love movies, and I love TV, and I'm very much and obviously <clears throat> I'm obsessed with surfing, and and I'm totally immersed in those fields. So for me. The lines are very blurred between work and play, which was always my goal. I, um, I, there's a beautiful quote, um, something along the lines of the, the master in the art of living always blurs the lines between work and play. Yeah, and and I've truly it. always, uh, that's always been my ambition and that's something I've always pursued. So I feel like I, I do work a lot, but I don't work too hard. 
Mm. Um, and, and making the longevity film was a huge commitment. Uh, and that made me reevaluate re um, how I wanted to make, make movies and tell stories and uh, sort of came to the conclusion that it wasn't something that I was willing to die for. <laughs> it wasn't something I was willing to, um, you know, give up all my money for. Uh, it, was, it was something I want to do with people. I actually want to collaborate with people who I consider to be extremely creative and, and, and the best in the business. So, you know, even just those little small changes for me have really liberated things. And then obviously moving into surfing, um, it just naturally blurs the lines between work and play. But I think um, <clears throat> for everybody else, um, how do you do that? What are the things that excite you? What are the things that leave you feeling fantastic? Um, for a lot of people, it, it's community and it's being something, some sort of activity that is with people. Yeah. Yeah. Or contribution, you know, and, um, Tony Robbins has this uh, wonderful saying that suffering is an excessive focus on self. self. And I'm very much, yeah, I'm very much, um, in, in alignment with that because whenever I'm feeling stressed or down or, oh God, impatient with, with my career trajectory or, or whatever, um, that's when I go, hey, why are you feeling down? Oh, yeah, I've been thinking about myself for the past six hours today. You know, I've been ruminating on, on how unlucky I am that I, that I haven't done this or that, you know, just, just silly stuff that require a little bit of perspective. So this trip is the, the longevity film has really opened up my eyes to that um, and, and that broader sort of perspective and those moments where you, <clears throat> where you realise, oh, hey, I'm not my thoughts. And those were the same realizations, the same conclusions, the same goalposts that I was shooting for when I started meditating. It was all about perspective and, mm -hmm. and taking a pause and taking a moment and taking a breath. And, and, and there are so many opportunities to do that every day. Even here we go. Uh, every morning, like I've changed this over the past few months, I used to. Well, I go and do a poo, right, as most people do. Um, so now it's instead of going and, and doing a poo and, and maybe watching some surfing videos or, or doing whatever, I'm now um, doing Duolingo. So I, I'm learning French. I've been learning French for quite a while now. And, but now every single morning when I go and do a poo, I go and learn some French. And that's quite, for me, it's quite a nice productive um, and somewhat cathartic way to, to start the morning and uh, drive me in a, in a more creative sense, in a creative direction than, um, some, or than a reactive direction as to watching surfing videos or scrolling through Instagram. So it's just tiny tweaks that I've come back with that have just made such a big impact on my life. And I don't feel like I'm finished. You know, I don't feel like this is, this is perfect and I, I've solved everything and I'm living the perfect life. But that's the whole point is that there is no end point at which I go, oh, yep, I'm done. Okay. See you later. Like I've still got to work at it and putting in the work, whether it's putting out another surfing edit and taking my time in, in cutting it together. You know, I do all my own editing because it's a, it's a good gateway to flow state or whether it's, being in the garden like Ilias in Ikaria for 12 hours throughout the day. The process is the point. Yeah. Not to go through the process to achieve or be somewhere after it. The process is the point. Um, so, you know, learning little flips like that have just made such a big impact on me and I, I, I hope that people can take that away from watching the film or just even listening to this conversation. 
Me too, because that's something I still have to work on. Like I've got this saying that I repeat to myself, you have nowhere else to be right now because I got into a really bad habit of multitasking and certainly when Grace was very young and needed me a lot more, I um, only had these really small windows by myself to do things and I definitely got into a habit of sort of rushing through. So definitely not being in the moment, trying to get to the end, to the end, to the end. And I think that contributed to the anxiety that I was experiencing. Whereas now I try and really be in what I'm doing. And even if it's with her, when she's like screaming at me and upset, I'm like, it's all right. You've got nowhere else to be right now. And it's this moment that you have as a choice and how you react and how you respond and things like that. So it makes a huge difference. Like it has been night and day for my own sort of experience in life, but definitely as a mother because it's very... I found it quite challenging to be like, oh, I can't wait till they don't need me so much or I can't wait till they don't scream in my face. And I'm like, hang on a minute, they're only going to be this young for this really short period of time. So really trying to be in that present moment is so, so challenging for me. It's not my default. My default is to go, to go um, Mm. and move forward. But pausing, I think pausing is so important. Yeah, and and it's fun. it's great that um you know having Grace has been that the lesson um, anchor. Yeah, yeah, that that's fantastic. I mean, I watch my brother. It's so funny calling my brother is just hilarious these days. The conversation because <laughs> oh well, not the conversation, the lack of conversation and like. the, the <laughs> abundance of screaming. Mm. That, and, and because there's obviously two little boys there now, and it's just hilarious. These mm. quintessential, almost stereotypical moments that that occur between children and um, at that age, it's just absolutely hilarious. And to watch how he's changed, he was very much, he, you know, his nickname, not his nickname, but he was the bull in the china shop, right, growing up, you know, and couldn't even, didn't even have the patience to finish school, like went into a trade very, very quickly, very successful, um, you know, that, that was his whole sort of thing. But watching him now is just amazing. Like he'll have two infants climbing on him and stepping on his testicles and, and you know, a bum falling in his face and he'll just be calm as a, calm as a, um, the, I don't know, Calm as a whatever. What is, the is there a saying? Anyway, calm as the ocean. <laughs> but he'll, he'll just be as calm as whatever. Mm. Um, just just sitting there dealing with it. So um, I guess we find these these um, anchors examples. and these opportunities mm. and these examples in different ways. And hopefully we can start to carry them into uh, the rest of our lives as well. I'm, I mean, I'm probably much to your surprise. I'm, I'm a little bit the same as you in that I do like to feel as if I'm moving forward all the time. Mm. And, no, and, I can see that. Mm. Yeah, and being productive and, and, and that sort of stuff. So um, taking moments like that are not surfing was always a bit of an issue for me. Nowadays, nowadays it's become a lot easier, but particularly since coming back. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to speak to one more point that you mentioned about your um, language lessons. I don't know how I feel about you learning language while you're doing a poo, but I'll, I'll <laughs> sit with that one. But there's a quote that I try and think of all the time, which is the first ritual that you do every day should be of your highest priority because it has the effect of setting the intention for the rest of your day. So imagine what your day looks like 
if the first thing you do is dive into your inbox or into your DMs or into the vicious comments on your social media posts, like for me, that is the first thing that could totally, you know, drop my energy, my vibration, my day can totally, like not ruin, that's an extreme word, but it can really shift how I'm feeling and my energy. So a long time ago, I set myself the goal of making sure that the first thing I did each day was really going to raise my vibration, essentially how I was feeling. And so most of the time now it's yoga or meditation and it is mm. never anything to do with an algorithm. <laughs> and so, you know, I encourage <laughs> listeners to think about what they're doing first thing and let's, let's connect the dots. Maybe that first thing can be about considering, you know, how you will create more connection you know, who you will call or what you will do this week that will enable you to experiencing experience that real human connection and avoid conditions like health conditions like loneliness. Mm. And and let's let's be very frank about it. Social media is is not a replacement for community and it's mm. never going to be a solution for loneliness. So um yeah, if we do want to work with today's theme, then yeah, cultivating and setting that intention first thing in the morning is, is going to be a great thing. I must admit, before I go and, and do that, you know, the poop and um, and learn and learn French, uh, I do check the surf. I'm guilty of that. The first thing I generally do is roll over, take my phone off flight mode and, and check the surf. So. I don't have a problem um, with that. That is 100 times different to scrolling <laughs> social media. Yeah, well, I delete Instagram the night before and then only download it about 10 or 11 o'clock. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's been a powerful change for me to really set some boundaries around that too. So like you said, there's lots of little things and, and none of them are, you know, groundbreaking in terms of you don't require a degree or you don't need to be a rocket no. scientist, but it is the collective impact of these changes that we make. So my hope is, is that, yeah, there's been some silver linings from the pandemic, but from this conversation, more importantly, that we are going to create change because action is what will take you there. So Kale, exactly. Been, I've loved this chat. It's been good, hasn't it? I love it. Mm-hmm. I, and I love that you are, I love that you are um, having some big conversations on your social media. As oh, well. I know. I'm a little controversial at time but i definitely didn't check the comments first thing <laughs> I always a few. yeah <laughs> but if you if you're if you're pleasing everyone you're never gonna instigate change i know you, and look to be honest i bite my tongue a lot i really do i keep myself yeah. fairly quiet sometimes when the time is right um and it's just been really heated lately with certain conversations, even just around, you know, our previous episode. I don't think I told our listeners, but we really upset one certain person from our last conversation around um, coronavirus. That was an early days conversation where the premise of the episode was supporting your immune system. And that's come out in every study, literature, conversation. Like, you know, there Not were the people. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. They haven't mentioned it once. Mm. Yes, what I mean is like the actual studies and the true conversations. Like I remember seeing, I won't mention any names, but someone I really respect online totally criticizing people that were saying you could look after your immune system like that was going to have any impact. You really got my nose out of joint back then. And I was like, I'm really surprised to hear this coming out of your mouth, but I just didn't sort of say anything. And then what do you know? Everyone's talking about vitamin C and intravenous vitamin C and vitamin D and not getting insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And 
you know, like nothing we've said is dangerous or irresponsible. We just seem to ruffle a lot of feathers in this particular domain. Well, I mean, this is, is coming back to outrage culture as well and uh, realising that there, there is just because you believe it's the truth, it may not be the truth. Mm-hmm. And there may be several versions of that truth depending on your perspective. Um, and certainly if, if anyone is, is willing and, and can be bothered to, to do the extra research, I'm, I'm sure they'll actually come to similar conclusions um, as to what we actually chatted about in, in the podcast. Because lo and behold, we were actually pretty accurate with some of the stuff that we said. <laughs> the echo. <laughs> awesome. Well, you have a beautiful day and we'll talk to you again very soon, my friend. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Reel. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.